You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Chris and I came from in, uh, in Indiana, uh, actually developed an entire kind of counseling uh, system uh, around several biblical passages, and four rules of communication is part of that. Um, they, they spread this teaching pretty far and wide, so if you actually Google the four rules of communication, you'll see a lot of pastors all over the world who have uh, given messages on this, and so here's this, uh, one more. It's only taken 16 years since we left that church for me to... Uh, finally uh, do this uh, you can yeah, just keep going to hit the four rules oh good it actually is playing again uh, bonus points for anyone who can name that movie oh, good I, I, I thought that came from George H.W. Bush I had no idea it came from Cool Hand but yeah what we have here is a failure to communicate uh, before we get into the four rules, we might only get to one tonight. Um, we have to do a little background work, uh, set a little context. First, uh, understand how important communication is to the Christian life. Uh, Jim, you can advance it. Do you remember what Jesus had to say about communication? Specifically about the mouth. Remember any uh, passages of Jesus talking about the mouth? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? Jesus is saying that there's an intimate connection between our communication and our heart. Heart in the Bible is our our will. It's the place of our decision making. Uh, It's the place of our desires. It's the place of our wants. I want this. I want that. That's the heart. Uh, Jesus said our communication reflects what we're wanting at any particular moment. If our wants are good, if our intents are good, our communication, that will be reflected in our communication. Conversely, if our, uh, if our heart is bad, as our desires are bad, that will be reflected in our communication as well. Uh, or to put it another way, uh, communication problems are a sign that our heart is not in the right place. Uh, communication problems are always heart problems. You know, uh, there's so many books out there on communication uh, but they just deal with communication at a superficial surface level because ultimately communication problems uh, in a marriage, in a family, in a church ultimately have to deal with a conflict of, of wills. Now, what I hear you saying is that conflict is somehow bad or we somehow need to get rid of this kind of conflict. We can't. Conflict is normal because disagreement is normal, right? Uh, this doesn't have to do with sin. Just people can have uh, can be wanting two good things or just different things and they have to work through that right we have to work through disagreements uh, the, the, the sign of a healthy marriage a healthy home a healthy church is not the absence of conflict in fact the absence of conflict probably is a signal that there's something wrong right problems are not being dealt with uh, instead a, a healthy home a healthy church a healthy uh, marriage is one in which uh, conflicts and disagreements are being identified. 
Uh, they're being worked through. Problems are being solved in a God-honoring way. Uh, and there's four rules of communication that we'll be talking about tonight and, and probably in two weeks uh, help us deal with these problems in a God-honoring kind of way. Uh, now, now, how quickly our intentions to solve problems uh, end up going, uh, going off, right? Uh, we start off with uh, we, we start off with a desire to kind of work through our disagreements and, and, and how uh, quickly things escalate, right? Oh, uh, just and, and sometimes, it, uh, most of the time, well, not most of the time. A lot of the time, it's 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 two people wanting good things, right? Take Christian. Uh, say we disagree over what we want Matthew to do tomorrow afternoon. I might want him to go swimming. Christy might want him to stay home and read a book. Both of those, are, those, both of those things are good things, right? Whatever Matthew does, that's a good thing, right? But Christy and I still need to work through that kind of disagreement. How quickly that, you know, that, that need to kind of problem solve can turn into a clash of the titans, all out brawl. It's all about our desire just becomes to win, right? To win that argument. How many of our, our, our disagreements or our conflicts uh, begin calmly but end with just a desire to win, right? Our communication is ultimately going to betray that. Uh, we can move to the next slide. Uh, if you find yourself uh, in a situation like that where you're, you know, you're trying to work through an issue with a loved one or work through an issue in a church, uh, you find that you know, things kind of escalating, getting a little bit out of control, a great question to step back and ask yourself, what am I wanting? What are we wanting? And just kind of, you know, just try to step out of that situation uh, and, and, and examine. Uh, kids, I don't know if the, I don't know if there's, there's not too many kids here to listen to me. This is where I was going to do a mini children's church because I think kids can help their parents uh, in a situation like this, right? Uh, kids, you might. Your, your parents might not see <laughs> uh, what's happening. You might see this. You might see that the disagreement that they're having is aspiring out of control. Your parents need your help. You have Pastor Jamin's permission <laughs> to go to your parents uh, when you see them in trouble and say, hey, mom, dad, what are you wanting right now? Mom, dad, examine your hearts. What, what, what do you, what's going on right now? Just just try to step back and ask yourself, what are you wanting? Or are you really trying to solve a problem? Or are you really just trying to win an argument, uh, even at the expense of tearing the other person down? Now, conversely, parents might use that on the kids, too, when the kids are uh, in a conflict in, in their uh, house as well, too. Uh, but understand uh, that uh, communication issues uh, are intimately connected to, to, uh, to heart issues. They, they, they show us our hearts. Uh, and that's why we should probably spend more time in churches talking about communication uh, because ultimately our communication reveals what we're wanting, whether that's good or bad. Uh, and then the second context thing, and we can move on to the next slide. Uh, and this is a point I've been making over a couple of weeks spread out over the last couple of months. Uh, ultimately, the four rules of communication uh, build upon Paul's point. Uh, that I've called the replacement principle, or as you see here in these verses, 22 to 24 of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, you see Paul talking about how do we grow in the Christian life. We grow in the Christian life not by just putting off bad or sinful behaviors, right? We grow in the Christian life by replacing bad and sinful behaviors 
with their opposites, right? We put off by putting on. Uh, in fact, we, make, we put our energy, we put our time and our energy and our resources into putting on the good, the righteous habits. As we do that, we just inevitably are not putting, you know, we're, we're inevitably are putting off the bad habits when we make our focus putting on the good habits. What we'll see in the four rules of communication is that uh, that ultimately, uh, they ultimately kind of reflect uh, Paul's, you know, kind of basic knowledge of psychology, right? Uh, the four rules of communication are all about uh, uh, having a positive emphasis, a positive focus. So we can move into the first rule. Be honest. Be honest. Do you see that reflected in these verses here? Therefore, each of you must put out falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We are all members of one body. But as Paul is saying here, is, he's not saying don't lie. He's saying speak the truth. Tell the truth. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're not just talking about kind of verbal communication here when we're talking about being honest, right? Because communication is so much more than just the words that we use, right? We're, we're getting into like body language, attitude, just, just there's this kind of there's this kind of a general aura about us sometimes uh, that speak to either peace or rage. Uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to do with uh, facial expressions or anything. It's just sometimes we just kind of know. The longer we live with people, we kind of you know pick up on that as well too. We can tell when there's something going on, even if the person says hey, everything's fine. You know it's not, right? Uh, Paul's uh, charge to us here uh, is not simply just to, you know, to not lie, but also to not be false to each other, right? Uh, if things are wrong or things are off, don't just say everything's fine or try to, uh, you know, try to hide that or cover that up. Uh, speak truth. Be truthful. Be honest. I was just sitting here listening to you, and uh -huh. I thought about something you just said. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it kind of reminds me of a conversation I was having with my sister. And there were some things that I did not want to say to her. But with me being a Christian and want to be truthful, I told her what I felt. You know how I felt. Yeah. Well, basically, that's what I was saying. And then it kind of, you know, I said what you were saying, kind of made me think of that. You know, I mean, I said, don't be upset with me and then I told you that I really was tired of telling you about it. But there, but it's, you know, it's, a, it's an easy principle, right? And it's, it's, it's as simply stated as you can get, right? Be honest, right? But I think the situation you're talking about uh, does get out when we start trying to you know come up with concrete examples of what is being honest or what is speaking truth and putting all falsehood what does that look like uh, in uh, kind of day-to-day uh, -day or relationships or long-term relationships family relationships relationships with church, it gets really kind of uh, complicated uh, I think it can get really no no we can get really complex right um, which I think we can go to our next and I don't want to disappoint, right? You all loved doing the, the table work, you know, conversation at tables last week. So 
<laughs> I know Christy loves this. So we're going to do that now. Take five minutes. Uh, you have a couple of questions to consider. Uh, take five minutes. Just talk at your tables uh, about these questions, and we'll come back and share a little bit. And then we, I think we might have time to actually get to uh, communication rule number two. All right. See you in five minutes. All right, so uh, I think we got uh, a few minutes for people to, if they want to share kind of what they talked about at their tables. First, let's take maybe the first question. Anyone talk about, uh, is it ever loving to lie? You think of situations where it might, we can even not only say that it's excusable, we can even say that was the right thing to do to lie in that situation. Holocaust, yeah, that's uh, what I think Matthew and Christy came up with. Surprise parties. Surprise, that was one I came up with, yeah. <laughs> to maintain the surprise party, you gotta maybe lie. <laughs> These are pretty extreme situations, I, I, would, I would say, right? So, so maybe, is that kind of what we're saying is, uh, only in some extreme circumstances would it be the loving thing to lie? Well, for me it was the, the word loving is what made a difference. You didn't ask is it ever right or wrong to lie, like that bigger questions, like is it loving? So, if I'm if I'm not sharing, so lying by omission or sharing something, is it because I'm actually loving the person and you know, setting up for success or doing something like that? So that that spin on it made it different. Yeah. We we talked about uh, possibly to protect someone. This could be a child. It could be a person who's not in their right mental state. Right. There's a lot of situations where. You know, maybe lying to protect that. You just, you're essentially the only way to save that person's life is essentially to, to lie to them, right? But again, I think we're talking about some extreme, <laughs> some extreme circumstances here. Uh, it does seem like in your kind of normal day-to-day -day relationships, probably there's not too many, not too many, not too many places where uh, lying would be the loving thing. That we really should take Paul at his word here uh, and, and, and commit to being truthful, not just in our speech, but in our just overall orientation, uh, particularly towards our significant others. Uh, what about the second question? Um, specific or practical examples of what being honest looks like in everyday life. Yeah, some people confuse honesty and cruelty, right? Uh, hey, I'm just being honest. Right? If you know anyone like, hey, just being honest, just being honest, but they're just, they're really not being honest, they're just being cruel. But they say they're being honest, they, they're trying to pretend that they're somehow authentic or says it like it is. But really, they're just mean-spirited and cruel. Right, I don't, that's, clearly not what Paul is talking about uh, in these verses, right? Uh, an honesty that uh, is going to be tearing other people down. 
uh, it's probably not the honesty that we need to be aiming at, right? And I speak to like the situation you talked about uh, with your sister. You know, is it is it is it the right is it the right time? You know, how do I how do I choose my words, right? And, and sometimes it's well, I want to be honest with this person, but I'm not sure exactly yet how I need to say this or word this. I want to make sure that I'm not going to hurt them uh, in doing this. So maybe I just need to, you know, take a take a few days or even a week uh, and, and think about, you know, maybe write something up, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, to to make sure that what you're what you're saying, what you're communicating, is honest, but. Uh, is, is, is speaking truth in love, right? Uh, we have that. We have that that priority that our truthfulness needs to be bounded by love. Uh, any other circumstances you maybe talked about? Put you in an awkward, <laughs> awkward position there. Maybe, the <laughs> maybe speaking the truth and love there is just, you know, I'm not really going to answer that. <laughs> Especially if it's the thirtieth time that they've asked you that that day. Sometimes we might want to say something to someone, but maybe we're not the best persons to, to, to say that, or maybe it's not the best time, right? Uh, maybe you've heard of stories of, you know, somebody who, you know, in a church who went to somebody else in the church, they really didn't know, and, and said, hey, I don't know, criticized their dress or, you know, something like that, right? And that person who, who went and, and did that confronting, I guess, might might want to see themselves as somehow living out Paul's advice here, you know, speak to, you know, speak the truth. But, but really, that was an awful situation, right? Uh, that's not speaking the truth in love. And so, uh, again, there's all kinds of kind of uh, kind of questions or maybe preparation that needs to go into making sure that uh, when we uh, when we speak truth. Uh, that it's, we're making sure that it's going to go over well. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it means that we're maybe not the best best persons to deliver that truth, or sometimes we're not. Um, it's not the best timing, right? Uh, but I think just being really, being intentional uh, about our communication, using our, the, all the mental features that God has given us, you know, uh, memory, uh, reason, capacity to uh, anticipate the future, right? I mean, 
have you ever just kind of role played? Like, if you think about, it, you're going to have, have a conversation with somebody. You need to have a difficult conversation. If you kind of role played or just imagine what that conversation would go like, and so you imagine saying something, and then you imagine that other person freaking out. So, okay, maybe I need to not say it like that, right? I mean, God's given us all kinds of mental tools, in other words, to make sure that uh, when we when we speak truth, we're it's going to be uh, going to be effective. So that's the first rule. Be honest. Uh, simple. Putting it into practice uh, can be really difficult and really kind of messy. Uh, certainly the second rule has got to be easier than the first, right? Let me move on. Keep current. Uh, did you see where this one uh, is, is in the verses? In your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. Go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do you see where keep current uh, where this rule is coming from. It's going to break down these verses a little bit. Notice Paul isn't saying, hey, don't get angry. Uh, never in Scripture are you going to see anyone saying, don't get angry. That's impossible. Uh, anger is a God-given emotion. Uh, particularly anger helps us, or God gave us the capacity for anger to help us to focus and to solve problems. Uh, our problem is that our anger so quickly moves into sinful anger. Right? A kind of self-serving, uh, self-justifying, uh, self-exalting uh, anger. Uh, and anger at, at whatever, being inconvenienced, being hurt, being offended, whatever it is. Right? It's, and, and it's easy for us to, I think, our, 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 our reaction is to think to ourselves, I just need to stop getting so angry. Have you ever said that to yourself? You ever thought that? Jesus, I just need to stop getting angry. I just need to stop getting so angry. We, we can't do that. right? You're setting yourself up. This is the whole point of the replacement principle that we've been talking about uh, for several weeks. You, you can't just stop doing something. Really, you can't stop doing a natural emotion like anger. Uh, instead, you have to replace sinful. What do we replace sinful anger with, by the way? What's that? Righteous? Righteous anger? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Well, that's, a, that's, a question, that's a question on there. Maybe. Uh, I think that, but I think there's a, a specific fruit of the Spirit that goes a little bit more directly. What do we, what do we replace uh, sinful anger with? Go through your list of the fruits of the Spirit. Which one would uh, be the opposite of sinful anger? Gentle anger, <laughs> certainly gentleness. Not the one I'm thinking of. Self-control. Yeah, self-control. Sinful anger is well. <laughs> uh, the opposite is working on self-control. Um, Paul's focus here is on a particular, uh, a particular manifestation or, or, or root that leads to sinful anger, right? And that's where the keep current comes in. Notice what Paul is advising here, right? In your anger, do not sin. Do not descend, go down. Uh, do not, um, pull on my King James version here. Do not descend, go down while you're still angry, right? What is Paul's point here? 
God gave us anger to solve problems. What is Paul's advice? Solve them before sundown. <laughs> solve problems in a timely manner. Right? Keep current. Solve problems in a timely manner. Uh, something happens, something uh, occurs, a disagreement arises, an offense uh, has taken place during the day, you're angry about it, deal with it, confront it, talk to that person, begin to work through it. Now, it's easy to kind of turn this into a, a kind of fundamentalism, right? Uh, have you ever met couples who took this verse so literally they meant that every problem needed to be solved before you went to bed? Look, there's some problems that you just can't solve in like a five-minute or a five-hour conversation, right? There's some disagreements that take more than, you know, five minutes or five hours. They take more than five days or five weeks sometimes, even five months sometimes to work through. So if, if, if what we're saying is you have to solve every problem, every conflict before the sun goes down, uh, some of us are never going to sleep. <laughs> or we might have to go days or weeks without sleeping, right? Because there are certain disagreements that just take a while to work through. So how might you know, these verses then kind of you know, shift in intent then? You know, maybe it's a, whoever you have to work through that issue with, maybe it's a commitment before the sun goes down that day. Hey, I'm committed to working through this issue with you. I'm pretty angry about this. Um, this, is, this, is, this is an issue we have to deal with. This is an offense that has occurred. But you know, before the sun goes down on that particular day, maybe you're going to that person saying, hey, we're not going to solve this today. We're not going to solve this tomorrow. We might not solve it in a week. But I'm committed to working through this with you. Right? That, that, that trust needs to be affirmed. That self-control needs to be expressed. Right? Uh, and again, you know, sinful anger can manifest itself in uh, a lot of different ways. I think Paul's focus on a particular uh, a particular pathway to sinful anger and that's the pathway of not dealing with problems. Right? It's very much, I think, related to the first uh, law and many Right? Be honest, but also keep current. Uh, recognize problems, address problems, uh, particularly with the relevant parties. You know, whether that's your spouse, whether it's a child, whether it's people in your church. Right? Don't just push these problems aside uh, because it's difficult, or because you happen to live in the Midwest, and so you're, you know, we're all raised to be Minnesota nice. Right, Minnesota nice is not just in Minnesota, right? It's all throughout the Midwest. Midwest, I'm up from the East Coast. We're just a lot, we're just a lot more blunt there. I've had a harder time with Midwestern. Right? Everyone's so nice here. I'm that, I'll never get that. Right? Uh, it's hard. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of different things that can work against us uh, wanting to identify problems, identify offenses, and then go to the party and say, hey, we need to talk about this. We need to work through this. Um, but that is what Paul is calling us to, not just an honest life, uh, but a life uh, that is identifying and working through problems. Um, how much time do we have? It's seven. It's seven now. Uh, let's save this for a review.
we'll save this for review. I think in, in two weeks we'll come back and we'll do this, and then we have two more uh, two more communication rules to work through. Um, overall, uh, you know, kind of going through and, and looking at these verses again, an overall thing I'm seeing in all these, these different rules is just. Uh, I think it'll be summarized in this way, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this point again in two weeks when I'm uh, finish this this series. Be intentional. Take control of situations. Don't let situation control you. Uh, use the resources, the time, the energy, the resources that God has given each of us uh, to be intentional uh, about our lives. Take control of situations. Be proactive. In fact, that's the last rule we'll actually see. Be proactive, not reactive. It's in some ways kind of the, the, the big point we can make, right? God has given us everything that we need. Uh, not just our natural resources, but the Holy Spirit within us. He's given us everything we need to be able to solve problems in a way that is honoring to Him, in a way that will build other people up, build ourselves up, uh, and ultimately be a great witness uh, to the world. But it all starts with us being intentional. Uh, it all starts with us uh, recognizing we need to take control of situations rather than allowing situations to uh, so we'll end on that point. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks, and we'll, we'll get to the last two rules. You're, you're dismissed.